Good morning. Today is Sunday, April the 9th, 2017. We're at the First United Methodist, now the Fount Church. We've been studying the book of Proverbs in the Through the Bible Sunday School class, and we're going to pick it up at 11, chapter 11, verse 30, and uh, Murray Dorch will open us in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this beautiful Palm Sunday morning, and as our minds go to the cross, we, we thank you as well for the scripture, the record you have for um, the wisdom that you yes. that you possess and, and uh, that we try to interpret. Father, we ask that uh, for us to be open this morning to uh, the reading of the word. We, we pray for Bella uh, Lima that yeah. are absent this morning, that we just pray for their safety, we pray for their strength, and that they might uh, en- enjoy this day at home uh, together. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Is this the week that Jensen's are out to? Yeah, they said they were going to be out, right? Yeah, I think they are. Okay. Verse 30, chapter 11, Proverbs. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. Well, that theme we know is in many places in Scripture. We have uh, Jesus talking about the... Persons being known by their fruit, as he was trying to teach, and to teach the people how to recognize the wickedness of the religious rulers and how their righteousness was only on the surface, but inside they were whitened sepulchers. Um, I like that the book of Psalms opens with the concept of the righteous and a tree of life. If you turn to the very first Psalm, Even the ordering of the Psalms is so interesting to me in what order they were placed in. But this one starts that with, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree, there's our tree, planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. And its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Okay. The streams of water um, are also seen by John in the Apocalypse and Revelation too. That this is a uh, frequent uh, picture we get in Scripture, this tree of life, this fruitful tree, and Paul will take up the tree concept when he talks about the the natural and the unnatural branches. Jesus will talk about we are the branches, he is the vine, and unless we abide in him, there's no fruit. The fruit, the branches of the tree bear fruit because of the health of the vine, of the tree, the trunk. And so this is a, a, uh, what do you say, very uh, frequent concept in the scripture of this healthy tree, a tree of life. Even um, some of the uh, different businesses and stuff will use the tree of life as their logo. Mm -hmm. Like I think the Cancer Centers for America might use the tree of life. Um, There's another uh, organization that you give stuff to like Goodwill, but I can't think of their name right now. They use the logo of the tree of life. So the tree of life. 
And whoever captures souls is wise. Now, I don't know what the different translations use. I'm imagining not captures. Does anybody have another word there about capturing souls? I like that word, huh? Wins. Wins. And so we are to be soul winners. I'm trying to really delve into that whole topic of soul winning. And I, uh, I got a book by Spurgeon on winning souls. As we know, he was a big soul winner. One step into his church and you were captured. <laughs> you were coming to the cross. <laughs> and he talks about the how, how the Lord uses us. And isn't it interesting how God, I mean, he could appear to people personally, but he's chosen to work through his people to capture souls. Remember Jesus, I'll make you fishers of men. Captures souls is wise. So I'm trying to make it a goal to not miss those moments where you can insert something about God and his word in your conversations with people. Um, Sometimes we hold back. Sometimes we fail to recognize that the opportunity that we walked right into it um, to capture souls. What a wise thing that is to turn a person from the path they're on towards the tree of life. If the righteous is repaid on earth, how much more the wicked and the sinner? That can be taken many ways. Yes. The Lord told us, you know, not to fret about evildoers. We always wonder, how can they get away with it? How can they can do blah, 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 blah? But I do it. Thank God when you do it, you don't get away with it. Okay. Uh, Psalm 37 opens, fret not yourself because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers. For they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord. He will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the new day. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way. See, he repeats that because as humans, we fret, especially when we think the scales are not evenly balanced in favor of righteousness. We don't see the big picture. It was interesting when my sister called me yesterday, uh, the one that called me, she's a strong believer. And she said, you know, I really believe in committing your way and trusting completely in the Lord. And then he orders your steps and he knows how many steps you have. Isn't that interesting? Mm-hmm. She was telling me that let me steps. The Lord had ordered them and now he was taking her, you know, and, um, my cousin that called her said, you know, we don't know what's going to happen with services and stuff because it's Holy Week, he said. Yeah. And, you know, it's a big deal in the Catholic Church. And they were very strong Catholic. So, um, but our steps are way ordered of the Lord. Fret not ourselves when something seems like it's not going right. Because the Lord is the righteous judge and all in its season. Chapter 12, whoever loves discipline loves knowledge. If you want to see yourself as a person seeking after knowledge, you're a person also welcoming discipline and understanding its purpose. But he who hates reproof is stupid. It's better uh, to um, humble ourselves so that God can exalt us. 
take the reproof of the Lord, even if it comes to you in strange ways. I don't know if that's ever happened to you, where the Lord has delivered reproof to you through someone else, maybe someone you don't even like that much. Well, how did he reprove Balaam? He used the donkey. Okay. So if the Lord uses a few donkeys, just listen to the donkeys. Okay. Listen to the donkeys. A good man obtains favor from the Lord, but a man of evil devices he condemns. When I was reading this verse, I was thinking about a good man. It came to my mind. And of course, I love when Spurgeon talks about this in his books about how the Holy Spirit brings things to your mind as you're reading the scripture and he's your teacher, but you don't, it's so still and so quiet. You don't even recognize that, uh, uh, that he's doing that. And I was thinking about Cornelius in Acts chapter 10. He didn't have a knowledge of the truth, but he was a God fearing person. And the Lord brought him Peter to preach his own sermon and pray for his household. Isn't that just a beautiful thing? Mm-hmm. Now, you know the Cornelius, the name Cornelius would be uh, Latin, would be Roman. It's a Roman name if you've studied Latin. So at chapter 10 Acts, you can read about it. It says, at Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort, a devout man who feared God with all his household. Mm-hmm gave alms generously to the people and prayed continually to God. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God come and say to him, Cornelius, and he stared at him in terror. You imagine that the terror of seeing an angel, what it must be to see the Lord. If an angel is what causes you to feel like this. So he's in terror and he says to him, your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. God sees, God knows. And now send men to Joppa and bring one Simon who was called Peter. God knew where Cornelius was. He knew where Peter was. And we know where Peter is. He's at the top of that house and he's going to have a vision. Angels appearing to Cornelius, vision coming to Peter and Peter sees all these unclean animals, remember, drop down. And he's getting ready to go preach to a Roman centurion and his household because this centurion was devout and continually offered prayers and God took notice of him. There's an encouraging thing when you really don't even know and you have someone seeking and hasn't even found all the truth yet, what a rewarder God is of those that diligently seek him. So he does go fetch Peter. And of course, Peter... It's a good Jewish boy. The Lord needed to give him a vision to go preach to somebody like Cornelius. But just like Proverbs says, a good man obtains favor from the Lord. And Cornelius was a good man. The Lord sought and blessed him. No one is established by wickedness. Now there's a good passage to read your child. No one is established by wickedness. But the root of the righteous will never be moved. How long-lasting and enduring and steadfast is the love of God and who we are in him. We are established by our righteousness in him. The root of the righteous never moved. An excellent wife is the crown of her husband, but she who brings shame is like rottenness in his bones. We all can think of scenarios we know 
where this is true, either to the good, the excellent wife, or the one who brings shame. And um, Satan has so corrupted the plan of God for the male and the female that we've all been touched by it. I know I have. I don't know. I don't think I always understand the plans of the Lord for the sexes and the and the family and and how to place it in today's times and what does it mean to be an excellent wife? You know, there's been a lot of people talk about that, a lot of women's ministries, but we've all seen the marriage where there is an excellent wife and the one where there isn't. And the excellent wife, I think, sees past and far above just what's happening then and now. I think she's able to endure things. Um, it's not that easy to live with a faulty human being, two faulty human beings to live with each other. It's a hard thing. You know, it looks fine when you're going out to dinner and sipping wine and writing emails to each other. But when you actually are in the doing of it, the paying of the bills and taking out the trash, well, it's quite a different thing. (laughs) Cleaning out the garage. Yes. Okay. The thoughts of the righteous are just. Now, the thoughts. I'm a big believer in that the thought life takes people to mental health or mental ill health. And this is what I love, as I've said before, about Joyce Meyer's ministry, because she's all about the thought life. When you see folks not doing well, they're not thinking the right things. Um, I know I've mentioned that time that Pastor John talked about, we can hear three voices, as he was doing his police chaplain work for that person that was attempting suicide. And convince that person that he was not hearing his own voice or God's voice, that he was hearing another voice telling him. I thought that was a very insightful, inspired way to work with someone. Mm -hmm. You hear it, but who do you hear it from? And training our thoughts to be in the right place is brought up again in the New Testament. where Paul will tell us to bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And sometimes they just fly in there, don't they? Mm-hmm. These unholy things out. I heard this one minister say, you know, the birds might fly around, but they don't have to make a nest in your head. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I think it was after one of our studies, we were talking with Peggy and talking about how, you know, even the even people have testified to being besieged with bad thoughts. And it is a spiritual warfare. And you think about the temptation of Christ in Luke 4. Um, he heard Satan speaking to him, encouraging and tempting him to do wrongful things. And how did he fight with it is written? So the scripture is our, you know, we call it the sword of the spirit because it is a tool and it is a It's what God has given us, the power of his word, sufficient for every circumstance. So training the thoughts. And I really think that that's where we have to start with children and to tell them you're going to get jealous thoughts, angry thoughts, wicked thoughts, because you were born in sin. 
We don't like to think of an innocent child as born in sin, but the teaching of the scripture is that we're born in sin. Mm -hmm. And we're part of Adam's race. And even the best, most perfect little child, like my grandson that I love to death, he said no to his mother. Oh. <laughs> well, that's the human race. Yes, and as cute as they are, little John Matthew is going to have to come to the cross. And so we have to take our thought life to the cross. And, you know, different... Think different kinds of thoughts trouble different kinds of people. A big thing today with men is the whole lust problem and pornography. Um, Desiring God now, I'm getting email almost every day from them, from John Piper's ministry, and they did one this week on pornography. Mm-hmm. And a real couple talked about it. And, you know, these were church people, and she discovers her husband on the computer doing pornography. Well... You're feeding wickedness to your spirit, mm-hmm. and you're bringing uh, demonic influence over your household by thinking you can secretly partake of sin. Mm-hmm. So the, the scripture is clear on that, that what we say in secret is spoken from housetops, and thank God that the Lord allows us to be discovered in our sin, lest we be lost Scripture says that those that do these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. I don't know if we really believe that, you know. So the thoughts of the righteous are just. Asking for the mind of Christ. You'll hear that. They've even written books about having the mind of Christ. Can you imagine the strength of Christ's mind to just just withstand what he went through in his passion? Yeah. When somebody's doing the things to you that they did to him, what is your natural response? He was a human. Okay? Do you think there was incredible control over the thought life at that time? Yes. And we know, because his final words are, Father, into your hand I commit my spirit. He was fighting the whole time as he was being made a ransom for many to keep his mind in God. So that's always my prayer, that my thoughts would be pleasing. The thoughts and meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord. Because the righteous thoughts will keep us in a good place. The counsels of the wicked are deceitful. I was talking with one of my clients on the phone, and we were talking about the media and how most of America believe what comes out of their TV sets. Yes. And they cannot ferret through the fact that they're sitting under propaganda. And they can't see it. And they're, the, they're, they're having their minds formed by a, um, an intentional plan. It's not just been thought up in a corner. There's a lot of money behind what they want you to think. Mm -hmm. And, um, it's a deceit that looks on the surface as if it's the truth. That's how the gospel looks in the beginning to us. It looks like foolishness, Paul says. It is the righteousness of God, but in the beginning we can't perceive it because we're so prone to deceit and to not recognizing the truth because that's part of being in sin. That's why the Holy Spirit, that's why they're always praying in revivals. The Holy Spirit will take the scales off the eyes and open the mind to see the truth of the word of God. Because as sinners, we can't perceive it because it's not within our realm. 
And the fact that you do perceive it is because God's spirits allowed you to perceive it as the word of God and run to it. Many people don't see that. So that's why we pray. But anyways, um, the deceit of the counsels of the wicked. The words of the wicked lie in wait for blood, but the mouth of the upright delivers them. What comes out of our mouth, what we think in our minds, Proverbs all about that. The wicked are overthrown and are no more, but the house of the righteous will stand. And there's a good confession of faith to be made in prayer for your house. The house of the righteous will stand. A man is commended according to his good sense, but one of twisted mind is despised. Better to be lowly and have a servant than to play the great man and lack bread. <laughs> you see a lot of that today. There's people driving around in BMWs that are leveraged to the max. But they have the look, have the right look. But it's all a house of cards. Whoever is righteous has regard for the life of his beast. So if you love your animals... Here you know, I have regard for the life of my beast, but the mercy of the wicked is cruel. Um, it's hard to imagine the cruelty even to animals, but you know, today it is very bad. You drop them off on the freeways. Yes. Uh, and then the response that the society has to it is we're almost valuing the animal above a human. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's very bad too. To have the right perspective towards life is something that comes to us from God because he made the heavens and the earth. Whoever works his land will have plenty of bread, but he who follows worthless pursuits lacks sense. Of course, it's an agrarian type perspective, but we could translate it to today. You know, you're lazy, you're not going to get much out of this world. Whoever is wicked covets the spoils of evildoers, but the root of the righteous bears fruit. Here we have that tree again. The fruit of the righteous bears fruit. And you know, having and not having is also another theme in Proverbs because really all the societies have tried to understand and make sense of life and the many aspects of it. The fact that we get sick the fact that wealth is distributed differently to people. Some people have and hardly know how they got there. You know, um, I know I read this before, but this was a, a Matthew Henry quote. And I love it about having and not having. He said, rich people think themselves happy because they are rich, but it is their mistake. The rich man's wealth is uh, his own conceit, his strong city, whereas the worst of evils it is too weak and utterly insufficient to protect them. It will prove that they are not as safe as they imagine. People think the more they have, the safer they're going to be. The more able they're going to be able to take care of every circumstance that comes upon them. Nay, their wealth may perhaps expose them. Poor people think themselves undone because they are poor, but it is their mistake. The destruction of the poor is their poverty. It sinks their spirits and ruins all their comforts. Whereas man may live comfortably, though he has but little to live on, if he is but content, keeps a good conscience, and lives by faith. Okay, I think we have to call it good. And so where did we leave off?
I think on uh, 13. 13. 13. Okay. After 12. Covered spoil be would Fruit of the righteous bears fruit. So maybe Dennis would close us in prayer. Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for this beautiful Sunday and we, we ask uh, that you be with the Jensen's and the Beverly's and particularly Bill and Gleam as they struggle with some of the frailties of life, Lord, and we ask that you take care of them and keep them well and safe. Lord, we thank you for this lesson today and we ask for your understanding of all these passages that we may apply them to our own life, Lord, and not just understand them, but do your will. Now, Lord, we ask the blessings upon this congregation and the message this morning that we may reach out to others and that they may learn more about you, Lord, and be renewed and have a new spirit, Lord, as we continue to serve you. We ask this all in your Son, Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You have been listening to Bible study verse by verse with Vicki Mulak. For more of these podcasts and some resources, please go to our website at www.biblestudyvbv.org. O-R-G. That's www.biblestudy, V as in Victor, B as in boy, V as in Victor. The VBV stands for verse by verse dot org, O-R-G. There you can register and contact us or just leave a comment. We welcome your feedback. Thank you. This is George Mulek.